Hey, uh, my name is Andy Langdon. I am the Next Gen Director of Next, Director of Next Gen Ministries here at Living Word. And um, before we read our scripture and settle into our message, I actually wanted to talk to our LW kids over here. Hey, kids. Hey, friends. Right here. Hi. I'm going to talk to you guys just for one second before I dismiss you, because I want everyone in our church to hear this message. Okay? Um, now, it's Halloween time. It's one of my favorite things about Halloween is pumpkins. I don't usually get into the spooky, scary stuff, but pumpkins, that's where it's at for me. And here's why. Um, <laughs> here's, here's why. Every time I see a pumpkin like this, I'm reminded about God. And I'm going to tell you why that is. It's going to be kind of our, our summary for the whole sermon that everyone else is going to hear, okay? Now, this, it's just a pumpkin, right, Stanley? Just a pumpkin. It grew from a tiny seed. The rain came down. The sun grew it into this beautiful 10-pound orange decoration that's been sitting on my front steps, right? But we, we like to turn these into what? Jack-o'-lanterns, right? Yeah, and here's what we do. We take off the top right? We scoop out the insides, all the gooey stuff. We just kind of like set it aside. Oh, and then, you know, my, um, we like to like make a face, give it a brand new name. Sometimes, um, sometimes, right, we do a cat or a ghost or a monster or something, right? And then, um, best of all, we put a light on the inside so that it can light up the dark, right? That's, that's the story of the pumpkin at, at Halloween time. Kids, this is what God does. He doesn't want you to be a pumpkin. He wants you to be a jack-o'-lantern. Right? God picks you. God opens you up. He scoops out bad stuff in your life. God gives you a brand new name and a brand new face. And God puts light inside you so that other people don't have to be afraid. All right, you are a jack-o'-lantern, but God did all the work. God picked you. God opened and removed and gave you a new everything. God lights up your life. You barely have to do anything because God does the work. You are enough. That word enough is the word that we've been thinking about here at Living Word the last couple weeks. So I'm going to pray, send you guys off, and then we're going to dive into a story about what it means to be enough. So friends, pray with me. God, open us up to you today. As young and old, listen to your stories this morning. Make us new. Light us with your truth and love. Remind us that we are beloved children of God. Help the light of God grow inside us so that others can see our light. Amen. All right, kids, they caught that little cute story. Part of our prayer is part of the blessing that we actually use in our kids' time. Um, so kids, as you head off, I'm going to walk over here, and I'm going to read a story for the rest of our congregation. This one comes from Luke 19. It's the story of Zacchaeus. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. 
He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. Now when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down. Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter that he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possession to the poor. And if I cheated anybody out of anything, I will repay them back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Last week, when we gathered here, we showed a video uh, of our upper elementary kids. They had just received their Bibles. And um, it, was, it was a super cute video. Uh, the kids were fantastic readers. And the video was cute and succinct, and it really, it perfectly matched what Greg was talking about when he talked about feeling like you're enough or that you have enough. And actually, we kept the kids in worship so they could watch themselves on the video. And then afterwards, we all walked back out into the lobby there, and Amanda and I were talking to the kids, and we were saying, oh, you guys were so good. We're so proud of you. And you know the one question they all asked us? Do I really sound like that? Confession, I will do the same thing. I'm going to go home and rewatch this message, and the first thought out of my brain is going to be, oh my gosh, is that really what your voice sounds like, Andy? Because there is, it's like something in my head doesn't want to match what other people see. There's a dissonance. And hearing your own voice, it's, it's kind of unsettling in that way. And it takes practice to hear your own voice and to see uh, to hear your own voice the way that other people hear it and then feel comfortable with it. It makes me think of this app I downloaded recently on my phone a few weeks ago. It's called Be Real. Um, I don't know why I was exploring this app. I'm friends with a bunch of youth directors all over the country, and it's kind of trendy, and I was, like, really curious, and I wanted to see what it was. And, um, and the whole concept of this Be Real app is that we have a tendency to fake our lives. We dress up the outsides. We make images and projections of what we want other people to see, but we don't really show our true selves to other people. And that's what this app is supposed to do. Because once a day, at a totally random time, it alerts you to take a photo right then and there of yourself and your surroundings. You're not supposed to pose your life in any particular way. You're just supposed to snap the picture and then be real. And it is interesting to see and remember what other people do. That they, they do the dishes and the laundry and the grocery shopping. It's not glamorous, right? It's not like what we usually see in social media. It's a little bit more behind the scenes of people's lives. And if I'm honest... It's actually really hard to do. I sometimes end up taking the picture several different times because I don't want pictures of me in my messy bedroom. I don't want people to peek behind the curtain of my life. 
Because I also am ashamed. I mean, deep down, I'm afraid that if people really knew me, if they saw who I was, what I struggle with, what my thoughts are, what I'm worried about, if people saw me, well, I'm afraid I wouldn't be enough. And that is why Zacchaeus is in a tree this morning. Because, because Zacchaeus knows the weight of judgment and the fear that he is not enough. Now imagine, if you will, this scene in ancient Israel. It's a bustling city and there's a buzz about town because Jesus is different. And he's coming to town and he's building this reputation as someone who can heal people and teach with authority. And um, the religious people, the people in power, they're unsettled. But the common people are excited. They're excited because the stories of, that Jesus tells are about them. They're about life and living life differently. So Zacchaeus, he's curious, but he's also eager. I mean, he has made plenty of money. He has a reputation. He presumably has a wife and a house and upward mobility. He's checked all the boxes especially when you consider that he has overcome the deficiency of being short. That's a little tongue-in-cheek. But it's also serious because that's the truth. That's how he's known. He's known as the short guy. And he's overcome that. But he's also been labeled. And perhaps because of that label, you're the short guy, that's why he's in the tree this morning. Or perhaps it's because he's been known to take advantage of other people. That's why he's in the tree this morning. Or perhaps it's because he's wealthy and isn't exactly known for being generous. In fact, he's kind of known as a sinner. Someone who doesn't do enough, who isn't enough. That's why he's in the tree this morning. Zacchaeus is an outcast. He's afraid of what other people think of him. He's afraid of what God thinks of him. And that's why he's in the tree this morning. As we come to find out through the rest of the story, through the rest of the Bible, actually, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And Jesus doesn't leave people in the trees. In this story, I always wonder what Zacchaeus wanted. I mean, what did he think was going to happen if he saw Jesus with his own eyes? But we have all these stories of people who kind of press in on Jesus. Sometimes they're asking questions. Sometimes they want Jesus to solve an issue that they have. And sometimes, like the woman who's bleeding, they want to be healed, and they trust that even getting close to Jesus would be enough to heal them. I wonder if Zacchaeus thought that too. I wonder if he just thought that seeing Jesus would help him be healed. And when you think about like an injured body, it's really about restoring it to health, right? Healing from a disease, you take the disease away and then the body recovers. Healing a broken arm, sometimes it means realigning, setting those body parts back together so they fit together. Restoring function so that over time the body can be used like it's supposed to be. I just think that something about Zacchaeus was broken and needed to be restored. And we know that because when Zacchaeus climbs that tree, 
Jesus sees him and comes to him. And Jesus always sees the people in the trees. Now, what's true for me and for many people is that we don't climb trees alone. It's hard and uncomfortable to climb a tree. And just like it takes practice to hear your own voice, we actually, we sometimes practice being an outsider to communities. And we get comfortable in the space outside. Zacchaeus climbs that tree with years of hurt that, ac- that have accompanied him feeling like an outcast. Zacchaeus, he is drawn to that tree because it's familiar to him. He knows he's not getting through the crowd. He doesn't even try. And probably, like so many times before, Zacchaeus finds a way around the crowd or over the crowd to get what he wants. He climbed that tree with the help of years of practice, being the outsider, thinking and knowing that he wasn't going to be accepted anyway unless he took matters into his own hands. So Zacchaeus is in this tree, and that's where Jesus is looking. Because that's where Jesus is always looking. Jesus looks for the lost, the people who are desperate, the people who don't believe that they can get to Jesus on their own. They know they are just condemned to be tree people. Jesus always sees the people in the trees, and Jesus chooses to love them. Now, perhaps my favorite part of this is that Jesus invites himself into Zacchaeus' house. Oh my goodness, I wish I could be that bold to invite myself into people's homes all the time. Not for the free dinners, that would be nice. But actually... I wish that when I saw a person in a tree that I would have the courage to do the inviting that Jesus does. See, time and time again, we see our Savior, our Redeemer, our teacher making the first move to love someone who feels like they are not enough. And Jesus casts out that fear. Jesus explains to them in a radical act of love that they are loved just as they are even in the tree that they climbed into. And Jesus' hope is always clear. Get down out of the tree and be healed. So for Zacchaeus coming down from the tree, it actually, it doesn't change very much. The people still grumble. They they were fine with him in the tree. Let's let that settle in for a second. The people are fine with Zacchaeus being in the tree. Because they have feelings that have been hurt by Zacchaeus. I mean, he has taken money and property. He has not been kind. Zacchaeus is not a good guy. But this is what love does. When you are loved, you are freed from the weight of judgment and the fear that you are not enough And sometimes that freedom leads to remarkable change. 
And Zacchaeus responds by changing into, that day, a generous person. And it probably didn't fix everything. But it was at least a starting point. Because there's a long road to recovery and healing, but salvation for Zacchaeus that day meant healing his community. And that restoration, it starts with Jesus seeing the person in the tree. And it starts with Jesus' invitation to come down from the tree. It starts with love. So a few years ago, I had taken kids from my church on a mission trip. We were headed to the Appalachian Mountains where we were going to spend a week together repairing homes. And I love this type of trip. Uh, We're actually kids who are singing here today. We're actually in the midst of planning one of our trips for this summer. And I hope that every teenager has the opportunity to come. Not because we do something incredible. I mean, honestly, I do trust that God does incredible things through us. God uses us when we show up to serve. But also, God changes who we are. God shows us things, people, and places that we would have otherwise missed. Because there are people in the trees that need to be loved. So on this particular trip, we were a diverse group. We had a handful of people of color, and we knew that there could be some challenges as our kids entered communities where sometimes racism is still present. So after our first night in a hotel, we worshiped at a church right on the edge of the mountains. It's this big church, and we kind of blended in. Um, But at one point, the pastor invited the congregation to rise and greet those around you, share a sign of peace and welcome. And I was standing behind Mackenzie. Now, that's, that's not her real name. But I was standing behind her watching as people greeted her. And there was a congregation member who approached her, saw the color of her skin, withdrew her hand, and turned her shoulders. Mackenzie was mortified. She looked right at me, and you could see the shock in her eyes, but also the tears that were already starting to come. She wasn't a stranger to the micro-racist comments that happen in everyday life, but this was different. It was in her face. And suddenly, she was in a tree. Just like Zacchaeus, she knew that she didn't belong, She wasn't welcome. She wasn't loved. So as a group, we spent the next few days serving, but also unpacking that experience and a few others with our kids about what it meant to be loved just as you are. That as Romans 8 declares, nothing separates you from God's love. That Jesus sees you right where you are as you are. So then on Tuesday, Tuesday of the week, we had another young person in our group. And Sarah, not her real name, she was leading this group of kids as they shared about their daily experiences one evening. And I remember it so well because Sarah was a college student. She was a fill-in because we had to have someone drop out last second. And I was just particularly worried about this group of girls that she was ministering to. I was just afraid they would not could be okay. I mean, I'm always worried about stuff like that on a trip. So their conversation unfolds, 
And this young person in the group says, actually, I'd like to share that I don't prefer to be called by my given name. I would prefer to be called Thomas. And Sarah, the group leader, saw this young person in a tree, hoping to see Jesus. And so Sarah said, then we'll call you Thomas. Now in that moment, it didn't matter how you read the Bible, which verses you can quote, what mattered to Sarah was that someone had climbed into a tree. Sarah was the perfect small group leader for Thomas on that trip because Sarah knew that people who are transgender have a suicide attempt rate of somewhere between 30 and 50%, which means that every other person who identifies as transgender is so scared by what they know about and feel about themselves that they attempt to take their own life. But not Thomas. Because when that young person climbed into a tree, Jesus walked past and said, come down. I'll invite you in. You are loved just as you are. Now, Thomas, McKinsey, they found space in God's kingdom that included them. When they were afraid that they were cast out, Zacchaeus, he found a place in God's kingdom that included him despite what and who he had been. You and me, we find space with God. There's room for us too because you are already enough. God's love brings us down from the trees that we climb into when we don't know where else to go. Now, one more story to help explain this kind of love and what salvation means. Here, a few weeks ago, I was invited to a cross-country meet to watch one of our students race. Um, the race was here at Living Word, and I love showing up to support our kids. Um, and if you've not been to a race like this, especially the one here, it is packed. The course twists and turns all over the yard back here. And on this particularly beautiful Saturday morning, the parking lot was filled with people, grandmas and grandpas and coaches and friends and siblings and parents. They're all here to do one thing, cheer on the racers. And like a lot of sporting events, it's exciting and it's noisy and it's crowded. So the race, it takes about 20 minutes and sectioned off behind these ropes are all the fans watching the racers come by. But let me just tell you, the most remarkable thing happens during the race. See, you don't cheer for your kid. You cheer for every kid. Every kid that runs through is getting whoops and hollers, claps and cheers. They're getting call-outs. Come on, Lafayette! Let's go, Wildcats! Keep it moving, Marquette! Every single kid is getting cheered for. Even the last one through the race we're still clapping and cheering. See, I want to leave that image in our mind this morning. Especially as we think about people who are seen and unseen. 
people feeling left out. Because there is a way that sometimes we organize our lives, leaving people unseen and outcast, where people aren't included, where they are left out. But when we, when we are living into a community that God calls us to be, a community that says, go into all the world, teach everyone about Jesus' love, a community that sees the people in the trees as worthy and beloved, that's when we become a community that cheers for every single person. So I end youth group every week with this blessing. We end with this phrase, and we all say it together because, well, honestly, it's because I don't always know when you're in a tree. I don't know when you have climbed up into the tree and are hanging from a limb, hoping that Jesus is going to walk by. So this is the blessing that we use. You are a child of God, holy and dearly loved. Jesus loves you, and so do I. Jesus is always looking for the people who find themselves in the trees. Because like that pumpkin, God is the one who does the work. God picks you. God changes you. God puts light inside you so that other people don't have to live in darkness. The salvation that Jesus describes, it is here and now. It is when we see the face of others and extend light and love of God to every person. Amen. Now, one of the ways that we do look for people on the margins, the people who are stuck in trees, is through the caring ministry here at Living Word, largely led by Val Novotny. So I want to invite Val forward now to just share a little bit about what it's like to be involved in that caring ministry and uh, what it's like to give and receive care as well. Andy, thank you so much. That was such a powerful message. Thank you. Okay. Um, I do need to admit something before I start. Uh, when Pastor David and Pastor Greg talked to Andy and I about helping out with the message for today, two things immediately crossed my mind. One of them, is this really part of my job description? <laughs> um, and also, believe it or not, am I enough to do this? Um, but th that's okay. Um, standing here, I see so many people that I know and that I've um, seen being helped through one of our caring ministries at the church. And what I've experienced uh, from being on staff here and what I have witnessed at the same time is nothing short of seeing God's love in action. I've also realized that God has this perfect process in place, and that process reminds us and will keep reminding us of how much he loves us. So let me explain. We have the prayer team, and I know our prayer team is well over 70 people. Uh, so whenever people submit a prayer request, I forward them on to the team, and they in turn pray for these individuals. And then the individuals are not just the ones here at church. Uh, it's their loved ones, their friends, the community, anybody. We pray for anybody. And we have seen so many prayers being answered. It's, it's amazing. Although we do have to admit we don't see them being answered in the ways that we originally thought we were praying for. But that's okay because that's God's love in action. We also have wonderful people, members on the team, that will send cards. 
just the old-fashioned, beautifully handwritten cards uh, to those that are on the prayer list, uh, just to offer encouragement and support and extra care. And a lot of you here probably have been recipients of those cards, and they make you feel good right here, just to know that somebody's thinking about you and praying for you. And I've been told that many a times. Again, that's God's love in action. We also have, I just love this team, the visitation team. Uh, we have a group of folks that go out on a monthly basis to visit our friends that are either homebound or in senior living facilities or just going through a tough time. And just recently, uh, on one of those visits, uh, the person being visited had just lost someone really dear to her. And she was down and she was lonely. And after the visit, her spirits had been lifted and she was in a much better place. And no one can argue that that visit could not have happened at a better time. That's God's love in action. We also have our Stephen ministry teams. Our Stephen ministers, just like all of us, have climbed those trees. But now they're going to be like the Sarah's. That was a Nandy story. They are going to help people climb back down out of those trees with no judging at all, just simply caring. During our Stephen minister training, one of the things that we discuss are the responsibilities of a Stephen minister. And one of the responsibilities that is not a part of being a Stephen minister is solving people's problems. We leave that to God. We figured he knows better than we do. So we remind each other, uh, the Stephen ministers and our care receivers, we remind ourselves that Stephen ministers are the caregivers. It's God who is the caregiver. Again, that is God's love in action. And on my little piece of paper here, I wanted to add, I didn't put on here because something just took place yesterday that I wanted to lift up as well. And that is our memorial team committee. A few weeks ago, we lost a, a beloved member of our church, Rick Ferguson. And yesterday, we celebrated his life, and the church was filled with family and friends. And these type of services, a lot of emotions come out, but it's also a time for healing. And our memorial team committee, they're always back here in the kitchen. You don't really see them during most of the service, but they're back there preparing meals. It takes a couple of dozen of people to make this happen. A lot of people show up to help out preparing. A lot of people bring the different casseroles and desserts, and we get lots of those, and they're amazing. And we help the family and friends sit down together to have a meal, because what happens during that time? They start sharing, sharing stories. They start talking about their memories of Rick and of our loved ones. And that's when healing begins. And that's also where we see God's love in action. So this is that process I was telling you about. God is looking for us when we climb those trees. He wants to offer us his love and grace. No strings attached. Just like that. He wants us. All we have to do is accept it. And when we do, our lives on this earth are still going to be difficult. We're still going to have challenges. But this is the key. God is placing people in our paths to remind us and to help us along the way of how much we are enough for him. So there's a scripture verse that I have shared with my teams many times. So if you're on one of my teams, I know you've heard this. And I think that this wraps up the whole process beautifully. So I'm going to read that to you. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us 
in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. I just love that. Just remember, I am here for you. Our caring ministries are here for you. This church family is here for you. And I just love what Andy says to his youth and to the children every time they they depart. And we all need to hear it. And we need to hear it more than once. So I'm going to say it again. You are a child of God, holy and dearly loved. Jesus loves you, and so do I. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Okay. Now at this time, we're going to move into offering. And this is exactly what our care ministries are, why they're here is because of of you all uh, with your tithes and your offerings. This is what they do. And when you do support the church, you're supporting people not only in this church, but in our community and in the world. So I'm going to ask the ushers now to come forward so they can collect our tithes and our offerings. 